You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 92, covering Best of Both Worlds, Part 2, and Family. Here we go. Hello, friends. Hi, everyone. We're back for Season 4 of Next Gen, and it's great. It is great, actually. It is. It's a great time for all involved. Yep. Been a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, We're I out of practice. Took a vacation, then I forgot what Star Trek was, then mm-hmm. I remembered what it was again, and we all learned a lesson. <laughs> Star Trek is the show where people are in space. Yep. That's the lesson I learned. Is that the one with the guy and the robots? No, that's um, Battlestar Galactica. Ah, yes, of course. Yes. Um... So the the biggest news here is mm-hmm. that uh, we've picked up uh, uh, the part two of the first cliffhanger that we've yep. ever had, which is pretty exciting. That is exciting. I got to tell you about the first part, and Matt is here now to tell you about the second part. So, As take... is tradition. Is it tradition, or is it just us trying to be vaguely fair to each other? Uh, let's go with that. All right. Why don't you tell the fine people about the best of both worlds, part deux. Part deux. All right. <clears throat> The Enterprise fires its new ultra-super-weapon, which utterly fails to make even a scratch on the Borg hull. Turns out newly turn-coated Picard slash Locutus's loose lips have sunk some ships, and his knowledge of the Enterprise's plans have completely ruined their last-ditch effort to save the Federation. Locutus drops some smack talk on Billy Boy, and the cube beats cheeks for Earth. The Enterprise goes into repair mode, Admiral What's-His-Face promotes Riker to Captain, and Riker in turn promotes Shelby to Commander, in a huge fuck-you to Data, and a less huge fuck-you to Worf, who just got rid of his red shirt, and is still completely unsure of how many pips he should be wearing. Starfleet has sent a bunch of ships to intercept the Borg at Wolf 359, the most badass sector of the galaxy, and the Enterprise is rushing to meet them. It arrives only to discover that the fleet has been completely massacred. The most important death here, of course, is uh, Jennifer Sisko, but we won't learn about that for a couple more years. Worf and Data, in the act of running away from stupid Bill and stupid Shelby, who, if he likes her so much, why doesn't he just marry her, (laughs) instead beam over to the Borg ship and kidnap Picard. Which you'd think would be really difficult to do, but no, they just grab him. They return to the Enterprise, and Crusher begins picking lengths of wire out of Picard's scalp. Data goes into Picard's brain in an attempt to meet with and take control of the Borg Collective while the Borg ship arrives at Earth. All hope is lost, and the Enterprise is preparing to ram the cube when Picard suddenly wakes up and tells them how to put the Borg to sleep. And then they explode. And then Picard is fine. Um, the end, I guess. (laughs) I, I gotta say, uh... Locutus's loops, lips, sinking ships. That's one of the most clever lines that you've written. Full, <laughs> full, full credit for that one. That was great. All right, I will take that. Also, Wolf Three Five Nine is actually a real place. Well, then it's an awesome sounding place. It is, but it's a it's a system or a star or something that's it's not a system. Close to Earth. It's a man. Oh, that's right. Hi, I'm Lando Wolf Three Five Nine. Oh shit! You sent in Wolf Three Five Nine. No, it's uh, it's fairly close to Earth. Like it's with it's one of the nearest stars to Earth, which sure. is why they did that. Is like the last line of defense kind of thing. Yeah, but it still sounds cool. No, it definitely sounds cool. I'm sure it was named after some cool mythological thing. It's named after Gene Wolfe. That could be, or possibly the Wolf Trap Theater in DC. Mm-hmm. Or possibly or, Wolfman Jack. Or Castle Wolfenstein. The original rapping Wolfman. <laughs> Why are we making stupid wolf jokes when we could be talking about a quintessential episode of Next Gen? This was really great. It was. And we're not. It... Often we distract ourselves because the episode was terrible and this is not the case. No. Uh, you know what? Let's just roll into the good thing, bad yeah, thing. Yeah, you we can do that. 
All right. So the opening of this episode does a great job of keeping the attention of part one up. That yeah, that desperation's still there, and it's even worse because everyone thinks Picard is dead. And Guinan's pep talk with Riker is just so excellent. Yeah, uh, Riker gets a uh, field promotion to captain, and he immediately after that scene goes to the ready room, and he's kind of brooding. And Guinan shows up. He's like, "I, come on, we're at war. I got shit to deal with. Why I have no time here? to deal with Picard's bartender." Yeah, and of course he doesn't remember how useful she was in the alternate reality. So he's uh-huh. like, "Well, come on, I like you. I'll even flirt with you in the bar, but go mm-hmm. away right now." Like I got work to do. Yeah. But then she she does this great thing where she just flat out sits down in Picard's chair and tells him what's what. Yep. And once again, filling the role that Deanna should be filling. Uh Especially with Riker, you'd think. Yeah. Of anyone on the crew. She might be a shitty counselor to everyone else. But yeah, those two have a history. She Mm -hmm. really knows him. But no. No. And she she proceeds to tell him, look, they know everything Picard knows. you got to let him go or you're not going to beat them. And that's a lesson that that he uses to, to... you know, work against the Borg. Yeah, no, there's this great bit about how he talks about how, well, Picard taught me everything I know. It's like, well, that isn't going to help right now. Yeah, you have to, like, he wrote the book on the ship, you got to throw the book away. Mm-hmm. It was a great scene. And yes. So what about your bad thing? So it's a real shame when the air goes out, goes completely out of this episode, okay? Yep. I got a couple problems with this one. Sure. Guinan specifically tells Riker that Picard's chair is now his. So then Riker goes off and spends the rest of the episode on the battle bridge. <laughs> That's true. Uh, having Picard tell the crew what to do, it feels like such a complete cop-out. Mm-hmm. If this episode is about anything to me, it's about having the crew get along without Picard. They finally save the, the, the finally saving the Earth from the Borg needs to feel earned. Oh yeah, but, but it needs to be feel, feel earned by every single member of that ship except for Picard. At, if, if anything, when Data's inside Picard's brain, Lacuta should be fighting him every step of the way. Oh yeah, it just it makes for a better story and it makes for better character development for Picard to know how badly the Borg beat him. Yep. It's 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 an excellent episode until the last fifteen to twenty minutes when it feels like the creators just threw up their arms and said, "I I don't know." Well, and the way Next Gen wrote their season ending cliffhangers slash season opening, uh, you know, season premieres is they would leave for the summer not knowing how the the plot would be resolved. Mm-hmm. They'd write themselves into a corner, which is great. But then they'd come back and say, okay, how do we fix this? And yeah. it feels, like you said, it feels like they got two-thirds of the way through. Okay, this is great, this is great. Oh, fuck, we only got ten minutes to fix it. Yeah. Uh, and then they exploded the end. Yes. And that's, it, you know, I mean, I use that a lot myself when I can't end a story, and then they exploded. But I'm also a stupid comedy writer and not writing a yeah, serious No one's asking drama. you to, write, to to do an ending to the best episode of TNG so far. This is, again, this is something that I will bring up again and again, is I think they did part one so well. They're really mm. good at building the tension and making you think, oh, fuck, what happens next? And part two, almost always, it's like they kind of keep it going, and then the resolution is always not great. And I can think of three or four examples of this off the top of my head and probably more, Mm. which is really too bad because, as you say, uh, for most of the episode, it's great. Yeah. No, like we build and we build and we build and we build. And then we just have like Picard break through and tell them what to do. And that's just (laughs) there's so many better ways to have like done that. Yeah, I totally agree. And it should have been partially because this is really Riker's story. Mm hmm. And that was a smart idea, making this not just the story of Picard going away, but also the story of Riker, the story mm-hmm. of why he's not moving on his career, then how he gets this awful thing that he always wanted. I, I, that part's great, but it really should have been the story of people 
falling into place under Riker, him working with Shelby. You're right. Like, it should have been yeah. no, the crew story. They, they do this Picard's. great thing of making Picard into the face of the enemy, which is awesome. But they don't, like, they yeah. don't stick with it. And, like, that's, like, the nope. entire the, the entire th- reason why Lacutus is a scary character is that we took the best guy on the show and everything he knows and turn him against the crew. That yep. needs, and turn him that against needs to be, like, the primary drive of the, the bad guys in this. Right. And that is, like, your best villain of all, is turning someone that used to be a friend and an ally and someone who trained you. Yeah into your enemy. That is so much better than, than Klingons or God Ferengi mm. or Romulans or anything. Just having him give away the ending is just, it yeah. feels so well, we got nothing. I think, well, we've talked about this before. It would have been really interesting dramatically. I mean, I don't want to lose Patrick Stewart, no, but it really would have been interesting dramatically if they had killed him off. Mm-hmm. And then it would have been the Riker and Shelby show. I totally would watch that yep. show. No, I would miss Picard like hell, but you know. No, I mean one of the things about this episode that was I spent the entire thing, like the entire uh, second episode, just going, "Well, like this would be so much better if they just flat out killed him." Right. Or alternately, if at least they'd done a third episode, mm-hmm. because rather than feeling rushed in the last act, they could have just I don't know continued the drama and then t- taken an hour to fi- to finally fix the problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the big problem is I I couldn't cut a thing from this, but the ending just felt so rushed. Mm. Maybe if a third part had happened, maybe that would have been better. Yeah. Uh, my good thing is well, once again it's a really solid mix of action and character development. In particular, like I said, the awful emotional arc that Riker has to go through from the first minute onward. I mean, we got that you know that that tense thing from the finale where he's like, "Mr. Worf, fire," and you know. He doesn't want to, you know, like he's killing his dad, mm-hmm. basically. And from there, having to fill the, you know, fill his shoes and all this stuff, it's just awful. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's great writing. And it's also a really great performance from Frakes. Yeah. We've said this before. Riker should be the bland white guy. Mm-hmm. He should be the, oh, look, they're trying to do Kirk again. But between writing him a little different and Frakes just really stepping up and, and making it his own and making it a unique character... Yes. It's just, he's one of my favorite guys. His performance totally delivers like a character that should be the least interesting person on this yeah. crew. But because he's got such charisma and he's got such a, uh, I don't want to say quirky, but he's definitely got a unique take on the womanizer. Oh, that's definitely true. He's not like Shatner where it feels like he's forcing himself on the women. It's all it's all a charm game to yeah. him. It's all a, we're equals, but let me show you how great I am. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fantastic. And And here, just seeing him wrestle with the the you know getting what he always wanted i just i love that i've i've loved that about this from day 1 the first part is about how he doesn't want to leave because he only wants to be in charge of the enterprise and the second one is basically some jerk saying well now i'll see that you get that wish <laughs> so you want to own the enterprise eh yeah exactly i hate enterprise the enterprise sprite <laughs> He confounded Kirk back in the Silver Age all the time, and he had to trick him into saying his name backwards to get rid of him. See you in three months, Kirk! Son of a bitch! (laughs) Uh, My bad thing? Well, the Battle of Wolf 359 has ripples into DS9 and throughout the rest of Trek in this era, like in the books, and I think they mentioned it in Voyager. Mm -hmm. It's a huge deal! And it should have been a crippling blow to Starfleet and to Earth specifically. We don't see any of it. We see some wrecked models when when they show up in the aftermath, but we should see that battle. Mm Mm-hmm. We really, it's such a big deal, and it's such an important cornerstone of Trek. We should have seen some starships fighting, and we just didn't. The only thing we see are three tiny ships being zapped immediately. Yep. Like, as they approach Mars. That's the Mars defense perimeter. Three little ships. By the way, Mars defense perimeter sucks. (laughs) 
I thought you were going to say Mars Defense Perimeter was your something something cover band. No, that would be good, but no, no. Mars All Perimeter right. Defense <laughs> Defense sucks balls. Three yeah, little three fighter ships. Now, mind you, as you pointed out, the design of those ships is very cool. Mm. We rarely see anything in Starfleet that's designed to actually attack things. They're very uh, they're very submarine esque. Yep. Nice little like maneuverable tiny submarines. Mm-hmm. But now, I, I, get... I like I like the idea of three tiny ships going to attack this big thing. All right, I'm going to shoot my photon torpedo down the exhaust port. Oh no! Yo, single shot each one. Yep. One punch. Blah ha ha. <laughs> no, I get that the show's budget isn't infinite, and there's a lot of money that went into this, making it look fairly visually, you know. Oh, absolutely. Like for 1990, there's a lot going on here that's that holds up now. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot that I looked at as like Jesus, that looks cheap. And when they clean it up for Blu-ray, I'm sure it'll look better. But it really could have bolstered the whole Borg threat to see something a little more. Yeah, no, uh, and I like like having just, like, uh, Starfleet ships just getting massacred, too, like, yeah, awesome. Especially if we see, like, a Galaxy-class ship, like something that looks like the familiar ship, mm-hmm. getting blown to just pieces. Just completely like, wrecked. Yeah, we'd be like, oh, shit, this is going to happen to our guys, too. <laughs> we like those guys. Yeah, exactly. Um... I like when they're going through the debris field, how they name off the ships that were destroyed, and one of them is the Melbourne, which Riker didn't take in the previous episode. Yeah. There's this great look on Frake's face where he's like, fuck, that was going to be my ship. Mm-hmm. I could have saved those guys, and I didn't. And I believe that there have been, like, books and stuff where they do the the, the what-if thing, where what if Riker had taken control of the Melbourne and it had survived. That's, that's a very cool, like, alternate story. Mm-hmm. That would have been very nice. Um, I also think, okay, so we got one cube. That they managed to trick just because of unique circumstances and having access to Picard. Yeah. Why then didn't the Borg send, like, ten more cubes? Then they'd just be fucked. There's no more fleet left. Mm. They can't use that trick again. Earth would be done. But we don't see the Borg again. Yeah, the Borg don't show up again until First Contact. I mean, they show up again, but they don't show up again as an invading force force until First Contact. No, we get that great episode with Hugh, which is one of my favorites, Mm. but that's just like a Borg scout ship. Yeah. And then we get Lore's Magic Castle, which is just stupid. But we don't get any, like, cube invasions until until First Contact, which is weird. That's, like, five years later. Mm. I mean, it seems... it does, we do know that it takes the Borg a long time to get to the fe- to Federation mm, space. Until Voyager will reveal that they have transwarp conduits and can just jump across space quickly. I don't care what Voyager reveals. Oh, but that's canon, Matt. Whether TNG we like it or not. reveals that it took two years for them to catch up to us. Very well. I, I think... We've said this before. The Borg will get stupid, mm-hmm. particularly in Voyager. Also, some in Next Gen and a lot in the books. Yep. Oh, God. There's a. I realized as I was reading some other books that were feeding on the continuity of different ones that there was a whole storyline that said the Borg, the Borg's origin was because some people from Earth went back in time and yep. started them. No, that's, that, the, that's the Destiny trilogy. I've read it. I'm looking right. at it right now. Yeah, I was reading the book about the Time Cops, the uh, the DTI, the yeah, Department yeah. of Temporal Investigations. And because they want to tie those books together in the same continuity, they mentioned that. And I went and looked it up. I was like, really? Yep. So these guys, like, so all of the Borg were formed by three humans who went back in time. Yep. And I think that was just to retcon an explanation for why they called themselves Borg. Well, they don't have the Earth, <laughs> the, uh, the English word for cyborg, so there must be a reason for it. Ugh. Oh, shut up. It's also why they are why they mainly look human, I guess. I guess, but I I still think that, that we just don't see the other ones. Mm-hmm. Like, I bet there's Klingons and Romulans and whatever else. Oh, yeah. Maybe a Borg cow. <laughs> I don't know. It's 
screw everything else. That's our cover art. <laughs> Borg cow. Find someone to draw a Borg cow for us. I'll see what I can do. So would it have implants over the udders? Or just the oh, face? of course it would. Very well. Its udders would be those would have those weird little twisty things. Right. So, okay, the queen was supposed to be here at some point. Mm -hmm. They'll shoehorn that in from first contact. I really don't like that. No. And that's one of the things I really didn't like about First Contact is like, okay, the whole idea of the Queen, they made it very clear that they don't have an authority structure. They are all equal and they're all just drones yeah. serving a collective. It's a hive giving mind. Them, gi yeah. Giving them a leader just sort of cheapens that, mm -hmm. I think. And I think the logic is, well, it's a hive mind, like, say, bees, but there's one that's sort of in charge. I think that's why they call it the Queen. Mm. Same with ants. It's, you know. See, my assumption is just that, well, we're doing a movie. We need someone for Picard to punch. Yeah, exactly. You need a, you need a head. You can't, you know, you can't just have a, a I, I mean, I don't know. Why couldn't it have been like a zombie movie? Zombies don't have a leader. I know. And the Borg are sort of, like, they, they sort of borrow from zombies in that they just sort of trundle after you and don't really, you know, mm -hmm. don't really have an agenda so much as get you. <laughs> Look out, Borg trundlers. <laughs> Look out for the trundle cow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what else. There, there's a there's a point where they're talking about the team that's working on all the different uh, modifications to the Enterprise, and they mention that Barkley's involved. Yeah, Are, is that the guy you want on your top? Let's save the Earth plan. The thing is, like, he's supposed to be really good at what he does, right? I don't think that. I think they assume he's really good because he's on the Enterprise. I mean, that's how you get there, right? Yeah, but they also mentioned that their captain was very, like, the captain of his last assignment was very happy to get rid of him. Mm. There's a thing in the military and I think in other places where they say promoted to your level of incompetence. Ah. Where they basically keep pushing you forward to get them out of that person's hair. I mean, when we see Barkley again, like, he's pretty, he, he does do a pretty good job of what he does. But yeah, he works in engineering. So far, but... we've just had the one episode and. Yeah, but he's no Russell or Russell. No. Well, no one is Russell, really. Oh, Russell's pretty close. Russell, maybe, but... Uh... Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Riker does some great sort of Picardisms as as he's captain. Oh, yeah, that was really cool. I like that. He does the shirt tug. He says, make it so. Uh, there's a bit at the end where the door rings and Picard and Riker both say, come. Yep. And it's it's just a nice little thing. But they never call it huge attention to it. It's not like there's a neon sign pointing. If you're not a regular viewer, if you don't know what Picard says all the time, you don't really catch it, but mm -hmm. it's a nice little detail because you know, there's this hero worship thing. You know that he sees Picard as like his dad. Oh yeah. And like, it's, I love that that's his, well, this is how the captain acts. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a total like taking over for dad thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I got to act like a grown up, So I'm going to act like how dad acts. See, and this is why I wanted to see him on the bridge. Yeah, me too. Like, I also, that, it's such an important, it's such an important thing to this, to this plot. And it just, ugh. Um, then again, I mean, the plot just moved forward very quickly and sort of arbitrarily putting in a, a bridge scene just for aesthetic reasons. You know, like the, the story needed to keep moving. Mm -hmm. And if the plan was to go to the battle bridge, they kind of had to do that. I mean, and there's, it's just, there's nothing that says that he can't, couldn't have done any of the stuff he did from the saucer instead of the battle bridge. I suppose that's true. This also it's is the Shelby last time. Down there. This is also the last time we see the saucer separation, uh, saucer section separated until the movie. Like, so twice in season one and now, and that's it mm -hmm. through the entire Remember series. Remember that thing that was a huge deal? Um, I do love that they separate it. They, they don't waste any fucking time. We got too much to do. Mm. Look, we'll we'll show the clamps releasing, and that's it. You know how that looks. And when Show they, them the and clamps. They, and when they rejoin, 
they don't even show that. They just it's off screen because we don't have fucking time to play the whole theme music. Yeah. Come on. I'm sorry, we don't have the pilot, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can't spend an hour just drifting around. Yeah, not cool. Um let's see what else. Um Oh, there's um there's a bit where uh data's hooked up to Locutus. Mm. And uh you you had you had said you had read memory alpha, I didn't actually look at it. Um that Jordy like that uh, LeVar Burton was having surgery or something. Yes. And so instead it's O'Brien down there. And they just sort of mention uh the transporter buffer or something, something, so O'Brien's gonna monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fine with me. Just come up with a reason, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I do like I like uh them using this as an excuse to give O'Brien more to do. Like he's really yeah. sort of become part yeah. of the crew now. Absolutely. And Which is... I, I mean, we love that character, so that's really cool to see. Yep. I do think it would have been great if, once Data was connected, if the Borg had just assimilated him. Yep. Like, Whoops! It, it seems like they'd be, they, you know, be better at uh, password protecting their stuff than that. Well, unfortunately, Data's password is password. <laughs> I have tapped into their Wi-Fi. <laughs> they didn't even lock the network. What's wrong with them? I also, um... Oh, it's gone now. Never mind. All right. I like that that Data was, like, digging through their subfolders. I'm sure he found their porn at some point. (laughs) This is weird. Yeah. I'll come back to this later. A lot of weird shots of a lady with just a head and a neck and shoulders. That's Hmm. kind of unsettling. I don't know why they'd be into that. I love... There's a bit where he's starting to get access and... Uh, Locutus tries to attack him with his, like, crazy Borg arm, mm-hmm. and Data just very casually reaches up and rips it off. Yep. And the look on Picard's face, where he's like, hey, he's my so arm! sad that his arm is gone. He, he keeps looking at the stump, looking up, hey! I, but... I was I, using that! I had a plan! <laughs> I was gonna wiggle my twisty thing and my sparky thing at you. And then I was gonna shoot you with the tiny G.I. Joe gun on my head. <laughs> and now I'm just Buster Bluth here, that's not cool. Aww. I just, I think, uh, my my other note is, I, I think that the ending was too neat, but I guess we talked about mm. that already. Um, oh, you talked about how uh, they do, uh, they talk about using the uh, the nanites on the Borg. Oh, it would have been great if they tried that, and the Borg just assimilated the nanites and sent them back at them. Yeah, now there are nanites. Now you're yeah. fucked. Yep, and, because, yeah, I mean, they're little machines, it wouldn't be that hard. Nope. And there'd just be a cloud of invisible robots coming for you. Well, That's now we're problem. really fucked. Yep. Oh, and I also I like that uh, 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 once Locutus is on the Enterprise, they just sort of let him wander. Yeah. Well, the whole point, Locutus, I don't think we mentioned this in the last episode. You said it sounded like kind of a dumb name, but apparently it means, in Latin, it means something like a uh, speaker or he who speaks mm-hmm. or something along those lines, which is where I, 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 the word elocution comes from that. And it's like, Locutus, okay, that's cool. Picard yeah, that definitely cool. knows Latin. They would have used that. Mm-hmm. Which is neat, and it makes it. What do you think about it? The Borg are pretty. uh, They're pretty wily about that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. They 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 know they're attacking Earth, so they take like the guy who's the head, or like the you know, arguably like the biggest guy in Starfleet. Right. Well, my theory has always been they cut away a portion of the hull in uh, in Q Who, Mm -hmm. and they took I think like thirteen guys, and something tells me all of those guys thought of Picard as like God. Mm To the point where the Borg are like, well, we got to get this Picard guy. He's yeah. the most important guy in the world. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's a great, uh, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And uh, because they know humans can't really relate, can't really look a collective in the eye, they need someone to speak for them. Mm-hmm. 
I, that made sense to me. It's not so much that he's one of them. It is that. Yeah. But he's sort of an individual in the sense that humans need a face to look at. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Now when we attack the K- the Klingon homeworld, we'll get us, we'll get Kalos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I also think they should have left Riker as a captain. Like, he got field promoted and then they bump him back down to commander. Mm-hmm. I think not in charge of the ship, he would go back down to being first officer. But, I mean, Spock was a first officer when he was captain. Yep. It can be done. No, I don't think the... that really changes anything other than the no. amount of pips on his on his neck. Yeah, and who doesn't love pips? <laughs> Wear pips for days. I mean, Riker wants all the pips. He, <laughs> he has a pip collect collection. Pips. Yes, exactly. He would cover his whole uniform in pips if they let him. See, other people have pips missing on the Enterprise, and they're yes. like, where do our pips go? And Riker just has them all in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> no, he's wearing them. Look, I'm like a super well, he can't double let people admiral. know that he has all their pips. <laughs> But he opens a drawer and he just inhales deeply. <laughs> they're like nanite pips. Sometimes he eats pips. <laughs> well, they're delicious. They're actually tiny little uh, pieces of candy. He wants to have them with him at all times. <laughs> Wrapped in gold foil. Then he goes up to the crew members that he stole them from and goes, I have one of your pips in me. <laughs> he probably does. And then Riker was transferred away. <laughs> <laughs> to the to the uh, lifeless husk of the Melbourne. <laughs> We're giving you this ship. Find all the dead people and steal their pips. (laughs) Yep. And the cycle begins again. This took a dark turn. We all move up in rank. (laughs) Uh, I love the last shot. Like, it was a a very pat ending. But Mm -hmm. I love the last shot where Picard's looking out the window. He's, like, telling everyone, oh, I'm fine. Everything's back to normal. And then we get this moment where, like, maybe he's not. Yeah. And you had said you, you think it would have been cool if he... If we'd question whether he was still with the Borg Like, if he'd still had, like, ties to the Borg. Well, the thing is, he says right near the end... Oh, no, no, he says that in the next episode, the nightmares have stopped. Mm -hmm. But then, in First Contact, he says something to the effect of he never stopped thinking about it, he still dreams about it. Yeah. So, I don't know. No, I totally buy him telling Deanna that the nightmares have stopped. Of course he's going to, because he wants her to leave him alone. I suppose that's true. But, no, that last shot... What it really means is, is he okay with what he's done? Yeah. Which is also very cool. Like, mm-hmm. he, he stops and realizes, Jesus, I killed everyone. Oh, yeah. That's not good. No, we we talked about this when we get to, uh, when we get to uh, the next episode. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone on, uh, on Earth, like, views him as a hero. I love the idea of, like, Starfleet viewing him as the face of this massacre. Well, we know Cisco in particular does. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, that's a huge part of uh, Emissary when we get to that. Yeah, exactly. Is that Picard basically killed his wife. Yep. And, right. and if we want, if I know one thing about Cisco, it's that he loved his wife. He loves his wife very much. <laughs> and he also has an old truck he likes to work on. <laughs> an old sailing, uh, space sailing ship. <laughs> Made of wood. He likes wood. to work on. Yes. All right. You got a you can fly course. a wooden ship in space. Oh, of course you can. As long as you uh, raise the mizzen mast and batten down the hatches. Oh, of course. You're fine. So is there anything we can take away from this? Starfleet likes boats. (laughs) Well, everyone has a model ship. Well, yes. All of them. All right, you got a quote? Oh, yes, I do. Uh, Here. The knowledge and experience of the human, the god, is part of us now. It has prepared us for all possible courses of action. Your resistance is hopeless. Number one. That's a great quote. (laughs) I thought so, yes. Okay, moving on. (laughs) 
<laughs> My episode was called Family. So the Enterprise returns to its docking station over Earth to recharge and get a firmware update after the Borg attack. Wait a minute. That happened last week. That can't be right at all. Are we actually acknowledging things that happened previously? What sorcery is this? Captain Picard goes over some last-minute details with a newly demoted Cap Commander Billy Boy, then makes preparations to return home to the vineyards of British-occupied future France, or BOF for short. <laughs> because when you've been through a horrifying experience where cyborgs force you to murder your own people, France is where you want to be. I think that's in their brochures, actually. So while that's going on, Worf is shocked to learn that his parents are coming for a visit, because why would the head of security have access to something like a list of people coming aboard the ship? Worf is not particularly pleased by this development, which is something I can totally relate to, but they show up anyway, and they're actually kind of cool, which, when you take into account the fact that they're ridiculous Russian gypsy stereotypes, is even more amazing. Meanwhile, Picard is visiting his family, hey, that's the name of the episode, which consists of an adorable nephew, an adorable sister-in-law, and a not-at-all-adorable brother called Robert. Only since they're French and not English, <coughs> it's actually pronounced Robert. Robert does not approve of Jean-Luc's fancy starship and his fancy pants and his fancy not-picking grapes. But then, after much glowering, they settle their differences via traditional old man mud wrestle, followed by Jean-Luc crying like a little girl about his whole Borg thing. Awkward. Back on the Enterprise, Worf's parents continue to be adorable, and they tell embarrassing stories to Geordi, learn about prune juice from Guinan, and help Worf deal with his being a pariah to his culture. Uh, also, Wesley gets a telegram from his dead father or something. Yup. <laughs> this, as I've pointed out about 40 times, just because this is the kind of trivia I love, was the first episode of any Star Trek that didn't have a scene on the bridge. Mm. Nothing, like, it's mostly old men crying in a vineyard. <laughs> Which is like the crazy sci-fi show. The only sci-fi element is the thing that Jack Crusher recorded. Yeah. Everything else is just people talking to their family, and it's awesome. It was like we were actually talking about what exactly they would do for the uh, the Trek trailer that we love so much. Yeah. Uh, the next Check episode is Star Trek, the next generation. The only piece of action is when Picard punches his brother and they're having a little roll around in the mud. There's no other action. There's no phasers. There's no aliens. There's no anything. Yeah. And, and Wesley great. receives this terrifying message from beyond, from beyond the grave. The grave. <laughs> so my good thing, a rare sense of actual serialization, lots of callbacks to past episodes, and not just best of both worlds. Like the prune juice thing, uh, there's, a, there's a guy who wants Picard's help uh, do, doing some drilling in the ocean, and he calls back to Q-Who when they were, um, not Q-Who, uh, Deja Q, when they were helping those guys relieve their mm. tectonic stuff just a lot of and there was a couple others just a lot of really good sense of this show is a continuing series of of events and not just standalone episodes um i have no idea why they were so terrified of that idea back in the day yep we utterly this, utterly terrified of it yeah we needed this episode after all that skipping ahead to an alien of the week thing would have felt cheap and wrong mm. It's, it's a nice follow-up to Picard's whole debacle and, and having to deal with his stuff. And it's a nice follow-up to Worf's ongoing conflict, too, because he's ashamed of what he went through, and he doesn't want to share that with anyone. Yeah. He loves his parents, and you get a nice a nice bit of acting from Michael Dorn where he's, especially when people aren't around, he's very pleased with his family. He loves them very much, but he just, he's so ashamed of what he's been through. Yeah. No, and I, I, I love, I love uh, the idea of Worf just as this, he's very very uh carefully built up uh klingon veneer yeah and then his russian parents show up and talk about you know his ridiculous russian parents yes 
which, like I said, they should have been awful. Oh, yeah, no, they should have been terrible. On paper, they were just sort of caricatures, but the, the actors and, and the dialogue really make it work. Mm. I really love uh, his father in particular. Oh, yeah. They do a nice thing with him and O'Brien where they're both uh, enlisted guys. And, in fact, there's a, there's a line that military guys say now, and I'm sure they'll always say, when uh, they, they because you're only supposed to call an officer, sir. Mm-hmm. And O'Brien says, "Nice to meet you, sir." And he says, "Don't call me sir. I work for a living." Like that's, <laughs> it's it's a dumb joke when you've heard it ten thousand times, but it's it's a thing military people say, and it was a nice little touch. Right. So that's why it works. Yeah, exactly. Um, and my bad thing. Well, it, while it was nice to finally see what Jack Crusher was like, I feel like Wesley's sub sub subplot was shoehorned in a bit. The exact storyline is quite good, and I wouldn't want them to change anything about it, but it might have worked better as the B story in a different episode. This all felt like they were trying a bit too hard to give a bunch of characters a parental story all at the same time. Yeah, like, Wesley's story works out to about five minutes total. And the whole time I'm like... like, uh, Beverly finds the the recording from Jack, gives it to him, and then he watches it. The end. The thing is, they're at Earth, and she would have to have gotten the recording there while they were at Mm. Earth. But beyond that, uh, I don't know. Like I said, and I have said this throughout season three and into season four, I don't hate Wesley at all anymore. He hasn't done anything to annoy me in nope. a long time. He's actually been really good. And since they got him in the uniform, in Best of Both Worlds, he was a big part of the team. He came up with the chip that uh, randomized the, the thing on the phasers. Mm-hmm. He's he's an important part of the team. He's a junior ensign, and that's it. He's not the whiny king of children anymore. Mm-hmm. And I would not have minded... I don't know how they would flesh it out exactly, but I wouldn't have minded this. My father's dead, and I get a little, a last little touch with him, which yeah. is nice. I, it's not the Wesley part that bothers me. It's, it just, it didn't really fit in this episode where they were just trying to do a little too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, what about you? All right, so I thought this was a great little uh, character piece, very clearly necessary after Best of Both Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sure that I was going to hate Worf's ridiculous Russian parents, but yep. they were absolutely delightful. Oh yeah, they were. And then I make a note, he- <laughs> and then I make a note here about how the Worf doesn't have an accent, and they do. And then <laughs> I considered it while we were watching the episode, and it's like, no, this is a thing he would work very hard to get overcome. Yeah, I don't have the same accent as my parents too, and I tried to move away from them as soon as I could. Yeah, it's just like, no, I need to sound like a Klingon. What a Klingon sound like? Uh, like angry humans. Well, all right then. Well, that's me then. <laughs> ah, ah. No, and their scenes. To, I didn't mean to step on your good thing there. I didn't realize. Oh no, no, was, that's fine. Okay. They were they were great. They were just and his dad just keeps saying, "I have all the specs and diagrams of this ship." Like it's, it's cute. It reminded me a lot of Scotty. If Scotty had been allowed to retire instead of just keep working until he died. <laughs> right. <laughs> your dog seems very happy about that. That's the sound of my dogs losing their shit. <laughs> You're gonna have to go clean that up later. No. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, and my bad thing, we talked about this during the episode, but uh, Picard's brother is such a dickhole. Mm-hmm. Like, even when they make up, he's still a dickhole. This might have something to do with my hatred of people who are just like, no, I'm not interested in y'all fancy-ass technology. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of, we're in France and we're doing our traditional thing where we have a vineyard and we're not getting a household replicator and, mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. But my my contention, and, you know, you're free to disagree with this, but my contention is he was deliberately pushing I don't want to say Picard because all their names are Picard, so I'm going to say Jean-Luc for a change. Mm-hmm. But he kept pushing his brother. He kept pushing him, like, to get a reaction out of him, to say, you've been through this shit and you need to get angry now. Mm-hmm. And I think most of it was that because once that happens, once they have that catharsis where they get in a fight and he has a little cry, suddenly Robert turns around and he's not such a jerk anymore. He's like, he doesn't, 
Like he says, you need to be back on the Enterprise. He doesn't call it your ship. Yeah, no, I, once I'd sort of like, you know, once I watch it again, it's like, okay, this makes a little more sense. But, but still. For, 40, for 40 minutes, he's insufferable. I'll yes. definitely give you that. Just from but the I, very second Picard shows up, he's just like, I'm working right now. Well, I think he's meant to be sort of a surrogate father. Like, I think their father was like that. He was very cold and yeah, unemotional. You get a and very clear idea of what, of exactly what, uh, of what Mr. Picard was, was like. like. Yeah. No, and I think, I think because, you know, they've already said his father's dead. And because he would be anyway, because, you know, Jean Luc's, what, 60, so his yeah. father would be like 100. Mm hmm. Except the Picards have children very late, so he'd be like 150. Yeah. No, Picard Sr. died at like 200. Yeah, exactly, and he's dead now. Still um, bashing away with his cane. But you need someone, like, I think that's what drove John Luke to to excel and to leave, mm. is nobody wanted him, nobody approved of what he wanted, and nobody, like, it's a very, I came from a very strict upbringing kind of thing. Yeah. And you need that character. If it's not his father, it needs to be someone else. Mm -hmm. I also think... That it's interesting that we've always seen Jean-Luc as this sort of distant, unemotional, unapproachable guy. And when he goes back home, you'd realize, Jesus, he's really opened up compared to what he grew up with. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting to see someone out cold him. Yeah, no, it, it, this this episode just as a whole just says so much about his character. Yeah, it does. And, and the fact that he has to deal with what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Is which is which is super super important. Like, yeah, uh, no, I was like reading I said, on memory on memory alpha about this one, and apparently Gene and I think Rick Berman, I'm not entirely sure, really did not want to do an episode that was just about like moving on after this. Yeah, they're just like, no, we don't do that. We do one off, like we do one off episodes. We want to get back to space stuff. And I forget who it was. I think it was the writer, but I'm not sure because this, yeah, written this was by Ron Moore. Ron Moore, uh, our favorite guy. It was just guy. very, we can't do an episode, we can't follow up an episode where Picard has basically been raped yeah. with just going back and poking at wormholes or whatever. No, and I think it's important emotionally. You couldn't have that emotional arc in Best of Both Worlds. Mm. You just couldn't. Too much shit was going on. Picard is fine and that's the end. You've got to pick that up and finish it off. And really... This does a lot of what I think that hypothetical part three should have done, which is deal with the aftermath. Yeah. And and I'm glad they did that. And I'm glad you see how Worf is dealing with his situation because we haven't talked about it for a while and it's going to come up big time at the end of this season. Yep. But for now, we need to check in and say, nope, still bothering him. And that's important. Well, and it should be still bothering him. That's yes, a huge absolutely. thing. But it, it's, it feels less like, like it's going to be the season four cliffhanger. Mm. All this Klingon stuff's going to come to a head, and it's going to be a big, like, Civil War thing. And rather than saying, oh, yeah, remember this? Worf is bugged by it. It's nice to check in every once in a while and say, yep, he sure is. Well, and it's good to – I like that uh, they had, Ron, like, uh, Ron Moore brought that up, too, because, I mean, the Klingon stuff is really his baby. Yeah. And, again, it's nice that Worf – while you see him doing his job every day, he's still carrying this horrible burden. Yeah. And it's nice to see him interacting with his parents and saying, uh, this is, yeah, this is bad, guys. You don't understand. I, it's bad for me. We, like, we understand that it's bad for you. We want to help. Let us help you, Orf. You are our <laughs> this baby. This was warming the winner. Ugh. I still hope that the, he's not in any way related to the Chekhovs. <laughs> I really hope that. I like that. It feels like if Gene had written this or had something to do with it, he would have had everyone calling attention to the fact that humans adopted a Klingon and how great are these humans to mm. do that. They don't – no one ever mentions it. He said, these are my parents. And everyone says, oh, hello Hi. to your parents. 
how you doing? Like, nobody ever says, oh, really? Humans? Huh. I mean, like, it just seems like, well, pretty much everyone on the crew has got to know that, like, there's something up. Of, like, Worf is different from other Klingons already. Yeah. He's <coughs> the only one he's, in Starfleet. Uh, he's, in, he's in Starfleet. Right. But just seeing his parents. Oh, yeah, he's got human parents. All right, that makes sense. Yep. No, and, and I don't know specifically. Like, I know he was a child when uh, Kitimer was bombed by the Romulans. Mm. And they said that a Starfleet guy rescued him. I'd like to think that his his human father did that. Yeah, that would be very cool. Yeah, it would. I like the idea of him as, like, a retired working class uh, engineer guy. But, you know, 30 years ago, he was still, you know, in action. Mm. And, they like, one of the first ships that responded to Kittimer, maybe, and he rescued this Klingon kid and took him as his own kind of thing. Yeah. That would be cool. Way better than my theory that uh, that uh, after after the moon exploded, uh, Worf was rocketed to Earth in a spaceship. <laughs> after Praxis exploded, yes, <laughs> yes, there you go. I loved the uh, relationship between Picard and his nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, we always hear about how Picard's bad with kids and he's uncomfortable, but this kid pops out of some trees and uh, he's just immediately they have this rapport. Yeah, they just click. It's awesome. And it's fantastic, and and he's not at all awkward with him. No. And there's this great bit where the kid slips up and says, you're my nephew, Jean-Luc. And he just runs with it and calls him uncle the rest of the time. Yeah. It's it's not a major thing that they call attention to. It's just a nice, subtle, I have a joke with this kid, and now we're friends. Yeah. And it's great. I love it. I also love how forthright the kid is. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, my father said you're an arrogant son of a... Yes, that's enough. (laughs) Yes, that does sound like Robert. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. Of course, this kid will go on to play young Picard in my favorite episode, which is not at all my favorite episode. (laughs) Just so we're clear. But we'll get to that later. We'll get to that when my bucket is being finished (laughs) being refitted. I'm reinforcing the bucket for that one. It's at the smithy right now. (laughs) Incidentally... Uh, Picard's ne- Picard's nephew, very British. Oh yes. Well, this again. This this follows my theory that that the Brits took over France. Yep. I think during World War Two, but mm-hmm. I'll I'll be willing to concede that maybe it happened at a different time. Yep. But oh, uh, me, World, no, World I, War III. I see nothing sorry. to disbelieve that, so I'm going with it. Yeah, exactly. Hello, I, uncle. I mean, <laughs> we're nephew. All very, we're all very French here. <laughs> Hello. What thing do happen? <laughs> If anyone wants me, I'll be out back with my butler. <laughs> Very good, sir. Shall I fetch sir's vineyards for sir? Very good. Is this the 72 or the 73? <laughs> it's the 74, sir. Oh, no! Bung it down the loop. Very good, um, sir. This is, I think, the only time during Next Gen that we actually visit Earth. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we go to a, a, a village that completely lives in the 14th century. Yep. But it's nice that they mention a few things like household replicators. Yeah, no, we get, we get a, um, we we get get a, hint at like how a people shot live of there. Uh, the Picard Vineyard, and it's sort of, you know, surrounded by, like, a sparse French countryside with a couple of, you know, high-tech stuff. Right. In the background, you see that, that the, all of France isn't like this, just these guys. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and like, it makes perfect sense for, like... Picard's house to look like it was built in the 1400s. Oh, the thing is, we still have houses like that now, so presumably we'll continue to have them in the 24th century. Oh, yeah, well, and uh, Picard, Robert, is a complete, like, like, he's super into the past and stuff. He wouldn't yeah. want to have any of that stuff, any of that in his, uh, in his house. Well, the thing is, John Luke's like that, too. He loves the past. Oh, he totally. loves archaeology and all that stuff, and I think if he had stayed at home, he would have kept that stuff. He might have just gotten a replicator in the kitchen or something. Oh, yeah. 
I don't imagine Jean-Luc is very good at cooking for himself. <laughs> Probably not. That's Cisco's deal. Yeah. And captains can't all have the same, you know. Thing. The same deal. Right, exactly. What manner of deal is this? <laughs> also, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but uh, when they're done with their little mud fight, uh, the, the mud on uh, Jean-Luc's face looks a lot like where his Borg, like where the bit of the Borg thing covered up. Yeah, no, if, if that was done on, on purpose, it's very cool. Yeah, it's a very nice, subtle thing. If not, well, it's, an, it's a coincidence. Yes, but still um, a very cool one. Yes. And then after their fight, there's this great bit where they're, like, they've tracked mud into the house. They're, they're sitting in the living room or whatever, drinking wine and just, like, singing old songs. And uh, Marie, uh, Robert's wife, walks in. And there's this great sort of, she's the mom and they're the kids. Have you been fighting? Uh, no, no. no I, of course I, I not. fell. Uh, uh, what happened? Uh, well, uh, uh, nothing. Nothing at all. And it's very cute. The two actors are really good at that. And uh, it's quite funny. Mm-hmm. I don't. Wi- Ooh. Yeah. We're and drunk. <laughs> and you could, it's too late. You could see everything. <laughs> We're drunk. I'm Captain Picard. You could see everything. <laughs> and um, there, there's a great bit at the end where he's leaving and Robert gives him a bottle of the wine. And it's very sweet. He mm-hmm. just says, try not to drink it alone. Like, there was a dig that he took earlier at, well, you raised your own sons your own way. Like, you don't have any kids, do you? That's sort of the subtext. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm continuing the family name. You're not doing anything. I so bo- it's nice. It's nice at the end where he's like, "Don't drink this alone. Yeah. You need to. You need to find somebody. You're lonely." I believe that bottle finally gets opened at uh, Riker's wedding. That could very well be. Of course, talking about continuing these threads in the movies, they just casually kill Robert and Renee off screen. Yep, which is kind of bullshit. That it's super bullshit. I mean, I understand it from the emotional arc, and we'll get to that when we do generations. Mm-hmm. I get it in terms of Picard always thought the family would continue through them and he didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. And it's the one thing that tied him to Kirk, like duty over family and now what? Mm-hmm. Like it's too but late it's now. it's still like, that's a real fuck you to a really pretty great episode. It is. And, and great characters and great, you know, we like to see where the guys we like came from. Yep. And early on they weren't great at that. Like Riker's dad was not great. No. But they, they, they're starting to get it right now. And when you stop and look at these two episodes, you realize how fa- how far the show's come in a very brief amount of time. Oh, absolutely. I talked on and on and on about how season three was starting to get good and where the good episodes were happening. But now it's there. It's mm-hmm. it's arrived. We're grown up now. And we don't have stuff like Space Africa anymore. Like, we got different kinds of episodes that I'm not crazy about. Yeah. But now, now we're doing serious grown-up drama and fun sci-fi stuff all together. Mm-hmm. And it's just fantastic. And... Like I said, these this pair of episodes was quite good. We have some problems with them both, but but overall, this just it feels like a different show. Yeah, like it. The, the, it's just really obvious how well the show's evolving at this point. Yeah, all the characters feel fleshed out, and yeah. to the, to the point where they can start fleshing out characters like O'Brien, and it's it's so much better. Mm-hmm. All right. So, any further business? Um, no, I think that's it. All right. Why don't you give us your quote? I will do that. Uh, This comes from the beginning where Troy's kind of needling Picard to to talk about his feelings, and she says this. Mm. If you wish to believe my going home is a direct result of being held captive by the Borg, be my guest. Is that what you believe? I hate it when you do that. Which is something we were all thinking. Yeah. Which is nice. 
All right, so that is all for this week. Next week, we finally get to justify that ridiculous Noonie and Soong impression we've been doing. Oh, you mean this? The, I mean the one about lore. Lore, your brother, lore. Your brother, lore. Because we got to, you know, we got to justify doing that voice for the past year. And mm. finally, next week, we get him and then another episode also. We're going to watch that, this one and be all like, oh, wait, he's, he sounds like a perfect, he sounds perfectly defined. <laughs> this Hello. is Brent Spiner. I'm I'm Noonien Soon. This is uh, Brent Spiner doing his Captain Picard impression. I invented data <laughs> and also law. Law. What a thing to happen! What a thing to happen! I've finished playing the vineyards and now I built some robots. Hello. <laughs> All right, and with that, we are off. Say your thing. Say folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.